Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I am TK, joined by a well-rested Andrew Holly. Holly, how we doing, man? May the fourth be with you. Yeah, man. May the fourth be with you as well. Yeah, it's always a good day when uh, you get up early, watch the Clone Wars, and then take a, a two-hour nap after work and not not realize it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just sneaks up on you sometimes. I, I took a nap after work today too. It's just like we said uh, before we started recording, man. It's like just just kind of a routine being, being at home for so long now. But yeah. uh, you know, we got a lot to cover in this episode. We are coming to you after the Ravens uh, completed their draft and have already added some undrafted free agents. And, you know, there still might be a few uh, holes on the roster. But uh, after the draft, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I think I'm ready to declare us Super Bowl champions already. What do you think? I am right there with you, I think. Yeah. You know, it, you know, look, after most drafts, I am usually pretty fired up. And I usually, you know, even for undrafted free agents, I'm like, oh, this guy's intriguing. This year, I feel like there's a possibility we hit on every single pick, plus maybe one or two of our undrafted free agents, which is crazy and obviously not real. But I'll tell you what, it feels good after this year's draft. I think Eric DaCosta, regardless of the hyperbole, I believe he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, while we were in it, you know, some of the picks and, and you know, watching the board change. There was a little bit of uh, concern on my end, and I was hearing from some friends a little bit of concern on their end as well. But, you know, I think uh, DaCosta and crew were able to get really good value out of each pick, got some really good players. Um, so so let's just uh, do an overview really quick. The Ravens draft class from this year were linebacker Patrick Queen, running back J.K. Dobbins, defensive lineman Justin Matabike. Wide receiver Devin Duvernay, another linebacker Malik Harrison, a offensive lineman Tyree Phillips, another offensive lineman Ben Bredesen, another defensive lineman Broderick Washington, another wide receiver James Prochet, and a safety Geno Stone. So we're going to go through each pick, uh, give us our thoughts on each pick, how they might fit into the Ravens uh, system, and then we'll talk about some of our undrafted free agents, where some holes might be. Uh, you know, a surprise from each of us, uh, you know, as far as the draft goes, maybe talk about our favorite pick and how we might plug some of the holes that are still there uh, on the roster. So let's start with it. Uh, first round, number 28 overall, the Ravens stayed put. Um, kind of a surprise uh, for me. I thought there would be some kind of move uh, that the Ravens made. And, you know, as, as the first round continued I thought it seemed like the Ravens might move down but their guy was available at 28 and they took Patrick Queen what do you think about the pick how do you like how do you feel about the way it went down and uh, what were your feelings as that pick was being made you know it's it's funny of course as we're we were both texting through the draft and you know I I think it was real quick just before I don't want to go too too much off on a tangent but of course the whole the whole you know, aspect of the first round and the, you know, everyone's drafting, you know, remotely and you're seeing Jerry Jones on his yacht and, you know, all the other stuff going on. I mean, that was just crazy. You know, I had a Zoom call you know, with uh, everyone in my fantasy football draft jumped on. So it was 12 to 13 people. 
uh, on a Zoom call as we all just, you know, had some cocktails and enjoyed a Thursday night draft experience. So it was it was interesting. I think, you know, of course, we could have done that any other year, you know, as far as the group, you know, video mm-hmm. conference kind of thing. But There was something extra special, certainly, about doing it this year with all the social distancing and everything else we're having. I mean, it was really, really kind of a fun experience. But but anyway, so, you know, throughout that first round, you know, I kept like, okay, you know, put a handful of guys together. Well, maybe this guy will fall. Maybe this. And then Queen kept falling down the board because I didn't think. Patrick Queen was going to fall to us, but I'll tell you what, perfect, perfect player for the Ravens, exactly what they need on defense and a perfect player to fall to us at the end of the first round. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put the lofty expectations on Queen, but I, I will say this, when guys like that tend to keep falling down the board to the Ravens, that's when they end up with guys like Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. I mean, that's the kind of thing that has tended to happen when we pick those players, you know, in the first round later than expected. Um, so I'm ecstatic. What do you think? Yeah, I, I was really happy with it. You know, I, I know in our mock draft uh, episode, we talked about taking an offensive lineman early on and you know, we might have some other linebackers available to us later and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, we, we both would, I think we would agree, we were both very on board with Queen at 28, uh, if that's the way that it fell. And that is the way that it fell. You know, there were a couple picks that I was a little nervous about and, and a few a few that actually went in the Ravens' favor, I think. Um, one was... The uh, let's see the Raiders at 19 taking Damon Arnett. Uh, I think that was kind of a surprise for a lot of people and and helped push Queen down a little bit further. Uh, Another one was the Saints taking Cesar Ruiz, a guy that we had our eye on, even though they had a very good center on their roster already. You know, that was a spot where a lot of people saw Queen going. And then the back to back picks of the Packers and the Seahawks. Uh, really helped things fall into place. The Packers, of course, traded uh, up to take Jordan Love, the quarterback, which I think took a lot of people by surprise, including probably Aaron Rodgers. And then the Seahawks took Jordan Brooks uh, from Texas Tech, another linebacker. And that was another spot where I thought Queen could go. And and all of a sudden, Queen was just there at 28 for the Ravens. And, uh, you know, at that point, I just felt like the Ravens should be running up to the proverbial um, with their card and, uh, you know, trying to submit that pick as fast as possible. But yeah, I mean, those picks, you know, kind of confused me, but also helped it fall so well for the Ravens that they didn't have to move out of the pick to get a guy that obviously they liked a lot. And, you know, you, you mentioned Ray Lewis, another guy who, you know, people thought was a little bit undersized, who fell to the late twenties in his draft and, you know, it's tough to draw that comparison without Patrick Queen playing an NFL down yet, but he is also a big film guy. Ray Lewis is a big film guy. So the so the the connections are there. I Coming mean, from getting, a championship culture in college. 
you know? Yeah, and, you know, so getting a guy of Queen's caliber who a, a lot of people had, like, as a top 15 guy in the draft to get to 28, uh, I mean, you can't have scripted it any better for the Ravens. And they didn't even have to move up. Like, that's, that. I mean, it, you could not have asked for a better situation at 28 for the Ravens. Agreed. It, I mean, it, it was perfect. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of, I, I think our debate back and forth was, do you take Kenneth Murray? And I think both of us would agree, had Kenneth Murray been the linebacker, maybe you go with some other players there. Mm-hmm. But Patrick Queen, I think both of us, A, I think neither of us really thought Patrick Queen would have been there, certainly. But I, I, I know that if you polled each of us prior to the draft, if he was there, that was the player. So it just about was a perfect, perfect draft in, 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 with respect to the first round. Now, you know, just as a sidebar to that, how wacky is the Seahawks draft every year? I mean, not that yeah. they're poor drafters. I'm not, I mean, because they look, they generally have good teams. So I'm not, I'm not trying to, it's just interesting. They, they have such a different, ranking of players than anyone else in the league and you see that just about every year where they tend to choose players in the first round where you go really you know you traded up for him you know Mm -hmm. or or what have you it's just it's interesting yeah I mean I thought I think a lot of people were surprised that they took Brooks over Queen uh but I think you know just talking just going back to what Queen will bring to the Ravens you know he brings that Mike linebacker that, that we've been looking for with the athleticism, with the ability to stay on the field for, for three downs and, you know, a lot of different sub packages, you know, he, he'll have a lot of different responsibilities and, and linebacker can be a tricky spot for a rookie, but, you know, I just feel like these days rookies are more prepared to come in on day one in the NFL and, you know, in any league pretty much and, and contribute um, you know, coming from a program like LSU that asked a lot of their linebackers uh, and, and, you know, having that championship, you know, pedigree already, um, you know, you know, Queen wasn't even the starter for the whole season, but you saw how good he was against his best competition. And, you know, that bodes really well for how he's going to step in. Now, another thing was about, like, the positional value and, and picking a, a linebacker early on and picking a running back early on in the draft. Do you have any concerns about the positional value here? Uh, of of Patrick Queen, or, or have we moved of, on of to Queen Dobbins as well? Of Queen, particularly, and then we'll move on to Dobbins. And as far as Queen goes, you know, I would – I think it's it's great value. I, I mean, I'd, in any other draft, Queen would have – easily been a top 15 pick you know so so i feel like it's great value at some point this maybe this is too much of a tangent but you know at some point all these offensive players that keep getting picked every year these wide receivers and everything they're gonna it's gonna be like running backs because they're every every year there's gonna be this stable of wide receivers that are made Having a linebacker who can cover, who is an ascending player, you know, I think one of the best things that that I like about Patrick Queen, as you mentioned, he didn't start all year at LSU. Now, in some 
in some eyes, you might look at that and go, oh, I don't know, man. This guy, this guy didn't even start all year, and we're picking him in the first round. Well, no, it, it wasn't that. It's a player that went to his coaches and said, how do I get better? And he got better and got his way in, forced his way into that starting lineup and helped lead them to a national championship. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, what's the problem with that, right? Yeah, I'm ready to go. So, so anyway, um, point being, I, I think it's a great pick. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, and then, you know, as far as the, the value thing goes, you mentioned, you know, the wide receivers. You know, the next year's draft class might be even better than this year's draft class. So you, you can see, like, there's going to be a dearth of young, talented wide receivers. Um, and, and you know, that might start to lose its value, too, just like you said. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We, we continue to talk about, you know, how good our tight ends are. Tight ends versus linebackers versus safeties continues to be the biggest mismatch on every defense. And adding a athletic linebacker to check or, or at least attempt to check a guy like Travis Kelsey and the likes of Hunter Henry in the in the division now, you know, that is valuable to me. And, and to, to have a guy who I, I don't think he's even 21 years old yet. And, and he's, he's young. He's going to be productive. He's athletic. That is valuable to me. So I don't think that traditional style of thinking really applies to this situation, especially because he fills a need on the defense uh, that, that the Ravens saw. So, and not just a I don't, need a gaping hole. Let's be yeah. real. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't really, I don't really, abide by that traditional thinking of, of positional value there. I think they got a great value, especially uh, for, a, for a really good young man, like you said, who loves to watch film, who is super athletic for a linebacker, and uh, I can't wait uh, to see him in a uniform. So, you know, continuing on that positional value and, and into our second round pick, J.K. Dobbins, maybe the, the pick that surprised me the most uh, what, what were your thoughts on, on J.K. Dobbins and how might he fit into the backfield? Well, I think I think we can both agree. We were kind of like, what? You know, when when the pick happened, um, you know, the Ravens had two picks in the second round. What was it? Fifty five and sixty. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first first pick rolls around. You know, we were figuring, and do you recall who was on the board that, that we were probably looking at as we were texting? Yeah, I looked at it a little bit. You know, I, I was anticipating a pass rusher there, and, and guys uh, that were available at that spot were uh, Jas Uche, uh, Julian Okwara, and even Zach Bond, who we thought might yes. be gone in the first round. So, you know, there were pass rushers in that spot, uh, but we went with Dobbins. Yeah, I think I was I was looking at either Uche or Bond. Uh, um, were there any wide receivers at that point that were jumping out at you? Because they yes. went pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, the two that were there were Denzel Mims, uh, big wide out out of Baylor, and Van Jefferson out of Florida, who I liked a lot. So actually, didn't Mims get taken right before our pick or not? Or was that no? He got taken before our second pick. I believe in the second round that we ended up trading as far as men yes, goes. And that's when we traded out. And right? that's when we traded out. 
So anyway, um, well, you know, I, I think I, I was I was looking at either a pass rusher or or Mims there. I think I mm-hmm. I probably would have gone looking back at Bond now looking now looking at far, how far he fell and for the reasons why he likely fell. I mean that was information I didn't realize at the time. Um, you know the the performance enhancing questions and stuff like that. I guess he failed a. Failed. Mm-hmm. He had a diluted sample at the combine and didn't really have great, great, uh, great story to back it up. But, uh, but anyhow, we we picked J.K. Dobbins, who has nothing to do with any of the sentences I just spoke a few moments <laughs> ago. I mean, I did not go into this draft fired up about getting a running back. You know, I right. If we took one. You know, later, I wasn't going to be upset. Makes sense for all the reasons, you know, why it, it it ended up making sense in the end to take Dobbins. You know, I think I, I, I saw something today. You know, you had we we had I think I think you and I were texting and you you were questioning usage. You know, hey, is he you know, how how uh, how much mileage is really on these tires? Mm-hmm. And and I saw this today, and this is courtesy of Sarah Ellison from. The, oh, I saw the, this too. I was going to bring this up as well. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. The Ravens. Yeah. Uh, so here's interesting comparison. Final year at Ohio State between Ezekiel Elliott and J.K. Dobbins. So basically, with only what twelve more carries? Am I doing my math right? Yep. You know, Dobbins had. Over 200, well, almost 200 more yards for the his two, over 2,000-yard season. Averaged more yards a carry, same touchdowns, and he was drafted 51 places later. I'd say that's pretty damn good positional value. And quite frankly, I think he gives us a fantastic one-two punch with Mark Ingram. It wouldn't shock me if he was the starter at the, at, by the end of the season. And considering what happened in the playoff game, I'm certainly – with with Ingram being hobbled, I certainly feel a whole lot better having a player of the caliber of J.K. Dobbins behind him, and that says nothing to our other running backs, or nothing poorly, rather. Right. So I'm, so, I'm so, fired up. I mean, I, I, I didn't think – at first I was kind of like, eh. But then I started watching more highlights, thinking more through it. He looks like Ray Rice. Yes, he does. He does. I wanted to talk about his stature, very similar to Ray Rice. And he has a, you know, he, generally he's like a one cut and go guy, but he has a really effective jump cut the same way that, that Ray Rice did. Um, and if you that, wears, if there's also some of that balance where like yes. he puts his hands down and keeps him, you know, somehow keeps mm-hmm. his feet up, you know, or his knees off the ground, you know, I, yeah. He's Ray Rice. Yeah, if he wears 27 on, as his jersey, they're going to – yeah, they're going to be really hard to tell apart. And, you know, he has a lot of those similar skills. Um, he, similar to Justice Hill, he didn't really catch the ball that much in college, but he has a lot of traits that suggest that he would be a good receiving back. You know, he does have the good hands. He just – you know, they didn't have a lot of design plays for him to catch the ball. So – you know, I, I think he's a really well-rounded back, um, really talented guy. Obviously, he has that home run speed. You know, he didn't run at the combine, but you can see in his college film that, like, 
he once he gets to the second level, he's tough to catch. Um, you know, he ran out of the shotgun a lot, uh, which the Ravens do. They run out of the pistol a lot. So it'll be a slight adjustment for him running out of that. But at least he is used to being far away from the line of scrimmage when he gets the ball. And, you know, he worked with Justin Fields last year on a lot of the uh, option plays uh, on, on a lot of the read and zone option plays. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that kind of experience with with uh, Fields will really help him uh, acclimate himself to the Ravens uh, a little bit more quickly and a little bit more effectively. Um, I, I wanted to run this by you, and, and maybe I don't exactly remember uh, all the details correctly, um, but does this remind you at all of like the Priest Holmes and Jamal Lewis situation where Priest Holmes was you know, contract was running out and, and, you know, Mark Ingram is, you know, his age is getting up there and, and drafting Jamal Lewis was kind of the heir apparent. And you used a high draft pick um, to get that next guy. Does, does that kind of similarity or do, do those two situations mirror each other a little bit or, or? not? Not too much for me. Um, no, and, okay. and the main reason why I say that has more to do with Priest Holmes as a player versus Mark Ingram because Priest Holmes, remember, he was still more of an ascending player. I mean, we, we, you know, he left and went to the Chiefs and had, you know, three or four seasons of pretty outrageously amazing football. I mean, just from a, at least from a fantasy perspective, he was a, mm-hmm. a pretty tremendous player for the right. Chiefs. I mean, he was setting records. Like, yeah, records. I mean, so yeah. so he – and look, I, I think some of that had to do with usage for, for Priest Holmes. He never had a good quarterback, really, with the Ravens. I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons. So I, it, it's hard <coughs> – excuse me. It's hard for me to say that because – I just I just look at Priest Holmes at the at the time as being more of an ascending player than than Ingram. Now, I, maybe maybe it's more of a Ray Rice scenario. I mean, again, yeah, I think yeah. that's probably a better a better situation where we're we're drafting a guy to be a backup stable, but it's the second round. Just about actually was Ray Rice 55. What pick was Ray Rice? He may have been there. I feel like he was something like that. Let me me look that up real quick. Um, But, but anyhow, um, you know, I, I just, I'm I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought after I was thinking. No, I'll I'll pick up on there because, you know, basically the point that I wanted to make is is the same as as Jamal and the same as Ray Rice. You know, their workload kind of picked up as the season went along. You know, there wasn't really that much expected of them at the beginning of the year. And I think it might be the same case with Dobbins here. Um, You know, despite having all of that, you know, really NFL-ready ability, they might not ask too much of him at first because of the effectiveness of the combination of um, Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, who, you know, what did he lead the league in yards per carry last year? So he's not a guy to be forgotten about, but, you know, he's going to be a free agent soon. And Mark Ingram is going to be 31. He's only going to have one year left on his deal. And Justice Hill, they just trapped him last year. So, I mean, that's a really, really talented running back room. Uh I'm not sure what to make of Justice Hill's role in the backfield now, but 
are do you think they're going to be able to carry all four guys? Is one of them going to be a quote unquote IR, uh, in, you know, and just stash them for a year? Or, or you know, how do you see this going down? I see. Let me put it this way. And first off, before I, before I say anything else and get distracted, Ray Rice was the number fifty five pick in wow. the second round of the two thousand eight draft. So correlations are getting crazy. They're both number yeah. twenty seven. I mean. With respect to the running backs, you know, I, I really think that um, there's it, it's really hard to say. I mean, because you've got if they're healthy, you know, you're going to start hearing about, you know, Eric DaCosta trading somebody in training camp, you know, because there's always people looking for running backs, you would think. So, I mean, you mentioned Gus Edwards as much as I love Gus. He's a free agent after the season. So he's definitely a player that, you know, if, if especially if there's, even though we're talking about, you know, a, 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 a exceedingly filled running back room, you know, if there's a undrafted free agent that kind of shows them a little bit of something that can be that fourth guy on the on the um, practice squad rather than taking a roster spot every week. I bet you they they think about it, either Gus or or Justice Hill. Um, and I I'm sure they'll end up with like a second round pick or something crazy because <laughs> DeCosta is amazing. So so yeah, I see that. But then there's also the the line of thinking that look we we went through all of last season running the ball as much as we did as much as the Ravens need to figure out some other wrinkles to their offense I don't see that aspect of anything changing so they got to the end of the season and what happened their running backs were run down you know for whatever reason they did a nice job keeping them fresh until one of them got hurt so it you know it might make sense to have four what do you think it, it might. And one reason is, I, I believe, in the new collective bargaining agreement, the roster size is expanded to 55 instead of 53. So maybe one of those extra two spots goes to one of these running backs who, you know, you may not want to expose to waivers or free agency because, like you said, you know, any of these guys could get a job on an NFL roster and be effective, right? Um so I, I do feel that may be the case where you just keep all four and, you know, just do hot hand kind of thing and see, see who's rocking on a, on a particular day. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It, the other thing is how did these guys fit into special teams? Because I don't think you can carry four running backs on your roster and none of them play special teams. I know Justice Hill returned kickoffs last year but I'm not I'm, I don't think he was on the coverage units and you know that's just that's just not uh, a, a sustainable way to build your roster I don't think with that many running backs who don't play special teams so I'm not sure that <laughs> Mark Ingram is going to that's a good teams. point no Gus Edwards didn't have any snaps on special teams I'm not sure you're going to ask a second round pick to, to play special teams so, I mean, that leaves Justice Hill. Is he going to be effective on special teams coverage units? Is he going to is he going to be in the conversation for kick and punt returns? You know that you have to utilize your your roster efficiently, even with those two extra spots. So uh, that's that'll be a consideration as well. But 
Either way, uh, Dobbins, really talented player. I was kind of surprised by the pick, but I do think that he will be a, a really nice fit in the Ravens' offense. I agree completely. Uh, I, I and you said it. You said it well. I'll we'll we'll uh, move on to the next. All right. So our next pick was a defensive lineman, Justin Matabike. Uh, I I really really like this pick. We knew that the Ravens were gonna try to get young at the offensive line behind these veterans that they added, and I think Matabike was a really good start to that effort. And you mean defensive line, obviously there. Defensive um, and, yes. and and I, you know, it, he, he was a great pick. Again, another player that, you know, was high on a lot of pundits draft boards for whatever reason fell to the 71st pick. And and just to recap again, this is actually our second pick after trading back. So after drafting Dobbins, we traded the 60th overall second round pick and the 129th, one of our fourth round picks to the Pats in exchange for two third-round picks, the 71st and the 98th. So this is the first of our two third-round picks we got from the Pats, giving us a whopping four third-round picks in this year's draft, which is pretty exciting. The first of, I think, a pretty stellar absolutely uh, stellar class yep. in the third round. This is, this is the, the round that – this is where uh, drafts are made. Basically, I think it's 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 clear that this is the money round, I think, for Eric DaCosta, you know, and and just going back to Dobbins quickly. It almost seems like we do well in the second round only if we draft a running back. So I feel better that, hey, we drafted a running back in the second round because normally that ends up being a crappy pick for one reason or another. Um, So I love that we traded in a lot of respects out of that second pick in the second round and, and got extra thirds. Cause we, we typically just, you know, we, we feast in the third round. And, and as I, as, as you'll see and, or hear about, I think we, we both agree this was the round now back to Matabike, you know, a, a, another player, as I said, falls to us, great depth on the defensive line, add some of that pass rush, add some of that quick twitch, um, you know, at defensive tackle for the defensive line. Um, I, I think it was a great add. Um, as you said, you know, a player to add depth and, and some youth on that defensive line. You know, he gets to learn behind some pretty, pretty uh, good veteran players, you know, in Wolf and Williams and uh, Calais Campbell. So it's a, another another A plus pick on my from my perspective for the Ravens. Yeah, for sure. All the all the reasons that you said. I mean, he's he's really athletic. Um, you know, he ran faster forty time than Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And so, you know, thinking about a a defensive lineman with the ability to run down a quarterback is is pretty exciting. Um, he does have some developed interior moves, but you know, I'm really excited to see what he can pick up from Calais Campbell and, and Derek Wolf at, at like a three technique uh, kind of spot. I mean, again, we keep saying value here, like getting this talent at this spot in the draft is a tremendous value for the Ravens. A really good pick for DaCosta, especially filling that need of getting younger and backfilling that defensive line so that, you know, you have some continuity going forward. And, you know, it's not just dropping off a cliff when, you know, Wolf is a 
free agent next year and Campbell's a year older and, and Brandon Williams may, you know, who knows what, what might happen to him, but you know, really good pick here. I, I, I like this pick a lot and I like the next pick as well. Um, if, if you want to move on here uh, back to sure, the offensive absolutely. side, uh, the, the slot receiver, Devin DuVernay out of Texas, uh, you know, they, they showed this quite a bit and, and I had never really ever seen something like this, but John Harbaugh was absolutely fired up about getting Devin DuVernay to Baltimore. Uh, seeing him that excited just got me really excited about DuVernay. Agreed. And, and you know, what was funny too about that whole scenario is that the Patriots, I guess, traded up. And the guy they took was Devin Asiasi, I think is how mm-hmm. you say the guy's name, or Asiasi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, so I think part of what we were seeing was, you know, because as Harbaugh said, they took Devin. Yeah. So they're going, and he's going, shit. And, but it was a different Devin. So I think right. some of what we were seeing there <laughs> was him realizing it wasn't the Devin that the Ravens wanted, that the Pats, were, that the Pats had traded up to get. Um, you know, that's, I mean, then again, that was part of the fun of this whole, Mm -hmm. you know, drafting from home thing. And who would have thought that John Harbaugh collected birdhouses and would have that displayed in his office? That was interesting. Yeah. You know, he, he did have one of the better setups. Um, he did no question. Now, nothing like uh, our boy down in Arizona. Oh Oh, my God. Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he's living. <laughs> he is living, man. That was awesome. Uh, wow, Jones what? The yacht was pretty cool. Uh, Zach yeah. Taylor with the Bengals. The poor guy was supposed to get a new desk delivered to his house and have it all ready and have an awesome draft station in his house. But he ended up with just that old, old crappy looking desk and just looked like, oh, man, he wasn't ready at all. But uh, oh, he had a nice little setup going. He seemed to have a nicer setup than uh, DaCosta did. He did. I I would agree with that, you know, and then uh, it it just it it, it still blows my mind. And then you cue to Bill Belichick, who's like Mm -hmm. the greatest coach of all time. And he's got a dog sitting in his chair. Yeah, just in his kitchen. You know, just (laughs) because he's just in his kitchen. Like you said, it's just like little side like dining room off the kitchen of Mm -hmm. this small little house that doesn't really look all that glamorous you know and it's like right. wow you know the the contrast was pretty cool to see yeah no the contrast between between Belichick and uh Kingsbury was Ugh. unbelievable like two uh, two different generations for sure the thirst trap that Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> was throwing out there was just out out of control out of control yeah well done by him that was awesome. So, but but back to uh, back to our pick. I I mean, I'll let you talk about him a little bit more. But I feel like we drafted Steve Smith, Steve Smith Jr. Yes, yeah. So so Duvernay was one of the guys that we mentioned in our mock draft. We we, we didn't end up taking him, but we we were both very interested in him uh, because of his just general speed. Uh, you know, really fast guy. He's got really good hands. I would like to see a little bit more development in his route running, uh, you know, you know, be a little bit more sudden instead of running curves, uh, you know, a, a little bit stronger route running would do a lot for him and, and get him into closer to that Steve Smith um, mold. You know, he seems to have that kind of toughness. He has that, you know, body type. Uh, the other guy that he kind of reminds me of 
uh, again, minus the, the precise route running is a golden tape, uh, you know, maybe not as uh, badass as Steve Smith, but definitely, you know, a very productive wide receiver in the league. So I, I have really high hopes for Devin du- DuVernay and, and, you know, he, he brings that toughness uh, and on the edge and he can be a, a tough blocker. I think he has the potential to be a tough blocker out there. Um, I really like the pick for sure. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I think he, he has the potential, you know, if, if we weren't going to go out and get the, you know, all everything wide receiver, this is the kind of player I want to see the Ravens get, because this is the kind of player the Ravens seem to develop. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Not that yeah, the Ravens are great at de- developing receivers necessarily, but you know, this is a, a hard nosed player seems to want to work. This isn't like a Patrick Johnson who, you know, back in the day, uh, I think, Brian Billick called him his Tasmanian devil because he was just all over the place when he was running around. That's not that's not Devin DuVernay. While he still needs certainly some polish on his route running, he's still more polished than that. You know, mm-hmm. so um, it's exciting to get this kind of player at this point in the draft, in my opinion. I think any other draft, this guy's an easy second round pick. Um, so it it shows you the depth of the wide receivers that he falls down to the Ravens' actual pick at the end of the third round. Third round, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of the questions that we asked each other almost immediately is, you know, considering his speed, does he have any kickoff return experience? Because that's been a spot, you know, again, we've, we've mentioned it several times in previous episodes, like kind of a low-key need uh, for the Ravens to get a little bit more pop in their kickoff return. He does have some experience there. He averaged, you know, 20 to 25 yards per kickoff return in college as a freshman and a sophomore. But as he got more involved in the offense, um, they kind of took him off of that duty. So he has done it before. He hasn't, you know, not the most success in the world, but he's another guy to potentially throw into that competition as well. Um, so, yeah, in, in general, I really like DuVernay. I, I like his potential. I like what he already brings to the table with the speed in his hands. Um, he, I mean, him next to Hollywood and Boykin, you know, those are three extremely fast receivers, uh, you know, building that quote-unquote track team uh, that everybody is trying to uh, build here with the Ravens. And then the next pick was a guy that you really liked a lot, so I'll let you go ahead and talk about him, was the linebacker Malik Harrison from Ohio State. Well, I'll tell you what, this is my favorite favorite pick in the draft. I we were able to get him uh, with the, <clears throat> excuse me, with the second pick uh, of, of the picks we received from New England in the earlier trade I mentioned. Eric DaCosta had an interesting comment uh, in some of the, some of the, uh, the, the interviews I've seen after the draft. So he said that, Typically, when the Ravens take, if they double up at a position, mm-hmm. you you know they really like that second guy. Yeah, you know, and he and he particularly brought up uh, when we drafted Dennis Pittock because we had already drafted Ed Dixon. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Hurst right. and Andrews. Right. You know, and and you can go back at at uh, at at other drafts. I mean, all the way back to. Uh, when the Ravens drafted Peter Boulware, I recall some of the discussion was whether they wanted to trade back to the, you know, early teens and draft Jamie Sharper instead. 
And instead, mm-hmm. they're, you know, the Ravens went ahead and drafted Bullware, and lo and behold, who was there at their pick in the second round? Jamie Sharper. So, mm-hmm. you know, it when they draft when they double up at a position, it, it, it generally turns out well. And I am so freaking fired up that the Ravens not only have Patrick Queen at inside linebacker, they've added this beast of a linebacker who's just gonna murder running backs another <laughs> championship program i mean it just fantastic player i, I it, it makes the queen pick that much better it makes our defense that much better you know it i mean it, it, i when was the last time we we saw potentially two inside linebackers is there a team currently in the nfl that has two inside linebackers that are potentially as good as queen and harrison could be the so what who they compared it you know a potential comparison was um the two out in Seattle, which is uh, KJ Wright and of course I'm forgetting the name of the better linebacker out there. Oh God, and and, and we're both gonna hate ourselves for that, but yeah. So yeah. Seattle's got that. You know you the, have, the thing um, the Bengals sorry, tried to do it as well. They they doubled they had tripled up at linebacker. Uh, with Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, and uh, Marcus Bailey. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that the Ravens really, really got a steal here. Oh, Bobby Wagner. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. KJ, uh, Wright, KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner is yeah. who, who these guys were compared to. But Harrison, you know, brings a little bit more size than Queen. He brings a little bit more uh, thump. I think he he's he can drop the hammer on some guys and you know he's got the strength to set the edge you know if they bump him out to outside linebacker he does have experience out there you know he's he's shown an ability to effectively set the edge which is something that we we are always concerned about um with our, our outside linebackers um he he's he brings the toughness like you said a lot of success um he 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 also is is an underrated athlete, I think, uh, as that outside linebacker spot. So I'm really pleased with this pick here in the third round. You know, Harrison, by a lot of people, was considered to be a top three, even top two linebacker in this draft. And we get him at this spot, uh, again, you know, a, a steal by DaCosta. And, and you know, a lot of people are very incredulous that the Ravens got both him and Queen. You know, here's my comparison. And and I could not think of, of the second linebacker, but I looked it up and, and I have it so we don't look like fools. Again, Bobby Wagner. Um, <laughs> the 2012 Niners roster. Yeah. Had two pretty freaking badass inside linebackers in Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. Yeah. And to me, you know, you give, you make Willis. Okay, well, I don't know who would be who. I'll be honest, because they were both badass. And hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully... Harrison and Queen can be anywhere near as good as Bowman mm-hmm. and Willis were as a parent. Yeah, hopefully sure. a little bit more staying power, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely bring a slightly different skill sets th- to each other that I think complement each other really well. So, on on um, you know some obvious passing situations, it'll be Queen that stays on the field, and you know uh, maybe bump Harrison down to, you know, an outside linebacker spot instead of, you know, standing up and playing off ball. 
along with Queen for Harrison. Uh, it, you know, that they're not maybe exactly interchangeable, but I think there are situations in which one will be a little bit better suited versus the other. And just having both is, is you know, as rookies coming in, um, whew, that's that's going to be really fun to watch going forward. It will be, no question. And I mean, at, and, and they're going to be able to sit there. I mean, again, you know, we talked about this a little bit with, with uh, Matabike, but just overall, you know, having, uh, you know, young players who seem to be, you know, good practice players, film watchers, all that stuff you want out of your middle linebackers, you know, you've got Queen and Harrison who are going to get to learn behind, you know, these other veterans out there, you know, whether that be anyone from Calais Campbell to even guys like Chuck Clark, you know, who is, you know, the, the newer leaders, so to speak, on the on the Ravens. I mean, certainly Earl Thomas as well, along with Calais Campbell. But, you know, but having a guy like Chuck Clark, who, sidebar to it, also gets to wear the green dot. So we're not sitting there with two rookies, yep. you know, handing back and forth yep. the green dot. So, I mean, that alone, not having to worry about that between those two guys is pretty huge. But I do agree with you. The positional flexibility between the two, you know, having either one of them or having each of them rather be comfortable with rushing the passer from the outside. Um, that's really pretty nice. I mean, because even though Queen is a smaller linebacker, he still has shown pretty decent pass rush skills. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's just, it has the potential to be dynamic. I felt, you know, when I remember back in the day when, the, you know, the Ravens were new and they started building that 2000 defense, you know, and it started with that, I mean, certainly it starts with the foundation, obviously, of the 96 draft between Rain and, and Jonathan Ogden. But really, that 97 draft was so huge. And building that team and that defense started out of that 97 draft. When you got, you know, Peter Boulware, Jamie Sharper, I think Kim Herring was, mm-hmm. was picked Herring. in that draft. Yeah. And, you know, it, that just it, that, this is the kind of draft that feels like. This is a roster solidifying draft that puts us over the top. I, you know, it may not be next year, but I really do believe. I mean, you start looking at these players, and, and we've only even gotten, haven't even gotten to the end of the third round, mm-hmm. and we're already looking at this draft like it could be a game changer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. we've got we've got out of the four picks here, I'm five picks, excuse me, with the hey, even with DeVernay, six picks. So Patrick Queen, Dobbins, Matabike, DeVernay, and Harrison. Wait, is that five? How many people is that? Five? Those five. Yeah. Four out of those five players could all be starting at the midpoint of the season, if not earlier next year, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not and that's not you. a stretch. Mm-hmm. That's not a stretch. We could easily have a game by in September or October that Malik Harrison and Queen both started inside linebacker. DeVernay starts at wide receiver. And J.K. Dobbins happens to start at running back. 
right? Not that he gets all the carries, but he just happens to be on the field first, right? I mean, that's yeah. crazy. On on a team that went fourteen and two, right? Or right? You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's astonishing. Like the, the talent they were they were able to bring in, and you know, obviously this is all projection by us going forward. But you know, and it'll be different once the guys actually get on the field and everything like that. But I mean, this is the kind of potential that the, these guys have, and. Speaking of potential, the next pick I think has a potential to be be a really really good value pick is Tyree Phillips, the tackle. Um, he was really solid in the SEC. Uh, you know, you saw how many defensive players go every year out of the SEC. Um, Tyree Phillips was really solid. You know, he he was he played left tackle uh, in college. I think that more likely he's he'll play guard, but he does have the experience at the tackle position. Um, you know, I at the beginning kind of see him in a James Hurst kind of role. I don't know if he'll, he'll immediately win a guard spot, but that James Hurst role is really important because if you have a guy like Stanley or Orlando Brown jr. Go down, you know, the difference between a guy like James Hurst and having to sign a guy off the street is massive. So having a guy like Tyree Phillips who can step in and and try to fill that role um, with some good skills already I, I think that's huge. I, I agree with that. I think you said it well. I think he, he is able to step into that James Hurst role. Um, you know, but it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the offensive line shakes out. We'll talk about the next pick in a moment, too. Um, and, you know, why don't we just bring him into the yeah. conversation since right. we're just talking about the offensive line. Um, so in the fourth round with our first fourth round pick, which was one of our compensatory selections, we got Ben Bredesen. Uh, out of Michigan, guard, multi, multi-year uh, team captain, which hasn't happened very often at Michigan. Obviously, there's the Harbaugh connection. Um, you know, apparently he, he can play all across the offensive line or would be comfortable playing all across the offensive line uh, based off the interview he had with uh, some of the local media folks today. Um, so seems like a solid – I mean, to be honest with you, this – this pick to me almost seems like more of a Marshall Yonda kind of pick than the Tyree Phillips pick. Tyree Phillips almost, I, I almost look at that as a, a Osemele kind of mm-hmm. pick where you're, you know, taking that right tackle kind of guy, you might kick into guard. And then later on you end up taking um, that, you know, stout guy who's the captain of a, of a, you know, stalwart program even though michigan hasn't been that great the last few years but okay yeah um, their offensive line is really good exactly your captain on that offensive line is really impressive exactly. and this seems like the most obvious pick in the world for the ravens you know interior Absolutely. line from a good big time program with the head coach's brother as the head coach, we always seem to guy at least we always seem to get at least one guy from Michigan. This was the most obvious one to me. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we obviously have a lot of inside information. He, you know, I, I, I wouldn't. I think Bredesen is a player that could easily be the right guard next year. You know, yes, for absolutely. for you know, he could be the guy that takes over for Yonder. Um, you know, but I think, you know, and actually we, I, I sent you a text. I think you, you ignored it because it, maybe it was a little, little too wild, but you know, the, the thing I think of with the offensive line is how 
outside of the tackles, you know, nothing set. You know, I don't even think, you know, centers necessarily set or even Bozeman at left guard. I'm not saying that Bozeman wouldn't start, but I think his starting position is certainly questionable. I mean, keeping in mind that Bozeman was a center at Wisconsin, you know, yeah. he could easily at this point having spent a year. I mean, you think about the progression of some of the other centers for the Ravens, guys like Mike Flynn who spend a year at guard and then kick over to center, um, you know, they could easily be something that happens with Bozeman, um, you know, but, but between Bozeman, McCary, Tyree Phillips, Membredison, Powers, you know, I think, and, and maybe even Skura, you know, depending on um, his knee there's his knee apparently is is coming along quite well in rehab so it's it's gonna be an interesting crew uh to potentially uh see who can replace Marshall Yonda at right guard but it could be more than just right guard that is a different player I guess is my point yeah yeah um I'm sorry for ignoring your text uh um, okay. I didn't that's yeah I I you have a I, life I don't. <laughs> well, barely. I <laughs> I completely agree with you, though. You know, I, I tend to value offensive line continuity pretty highly, especially in an offense like this that is so complex for the offensive linemen. But I completely agree that those three interior spots, I think all three of them are up for grabs because, you know, we finished the season with uh, Pat McCary at center. And, you know what, he hadn't played center since high school or something. I mean, you know, that's maybe not exactly what you want going yeah. into a season. Uh, you know, Possibly. and he held his own, and you know, he held his own. But you know, is he the best option there? Maybe Bradley Bozeman can slide back into his center spot that he played in college, uh, or maybe Skura is back and and he's ready to go. Ben Bredesen said he could play center, so you know, there's four guys that can slot in there. Four guys that can slot in the left guard. Those those four same guys. And then at right guard, you add DJ Fluker into the mix as a free agent. That's right. So I think he, I didn't I even I didn't even, even I didn't even think of that. But you're you're totally correct, DJ. Right. Fluker. You know, and I I think he's probably the favorite to win that job at this point. Uh, you know, it, it could be an entirely flip flopped and all changed around the interior of the offensive line, and you just have the same bookend tackles plus Phillips um, as the depth there. It it could be a completely different lineup up front uh just with some familiar names uh in different spots or uh you know things just stick as they are you know that's so interesting how that's going to play out and and you know we we were interested in that competition even before the draft but now after the draft after adding phillips and bredesen to the mix and adding uh fluker to the mix you know that level of competition for those three spots has also been elevated so no matter what three guys you pick, those are going to be, you know, three really good football players. So yep. iron know, sharpens Dawson, iron, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, Speaking I, I of Harbaugh, Harbaugh, uh, Harbaugh, you know, stable phrases. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love what they did here. Um, Fluker was, you know, not all that pricey. You know, he seemed like he – was it his agent that reached out to Baltimore? Um, yes. Yeah, so I mean, he wants to be here. You know, I think he's gonna be motivated to be really good here. Yeah, 
I, you know, that the interior of the offensive line, all of a sudden, you know, we had a huge hole at right guard and we still might have a huge hole, you know, because Fluker is not Marshall Yanda, but you know, the level of talent there certainly, certainly improved. Um, you know, if we move on to our next pick really quickly, as, as we move down, uh, we added in the infamous Kari Vedvik pick was the defensive lineman, Broderick Washington out of Texas tech, um, you know, kind of reminds me of an uh, interior defensive, you know, stout run stuffing kind of guy. Um, again, an effort to get the defensive line a little bit younger and have some guys compete with uh, the likes of Justin Ellis and Dalen Mack uh, for, for the end of that uh, positional group. Yeah, he's he's nice. Another depth pick, you know, I would say he's a guy, you know, a, another team captain, you know, mm-hmm. as, as usually that tends to be a theme, yeah. you know, with, you know, I think I'm sure he plays like a Raven, you know, um, this is the first of the picks where I would say roster bubble, you know, yeah. um, I think, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how he plays. Um, you know, interesting. I, I, I'm a little disappointed, I guess, that he's the the compensation for Vedvik. But I think anytime you can, you know, you're going to trade your backup kicker for for a defensive tackle. Sure. <laughs> you know, but it, it's mm-hmm. still amazing. But is it is it as fun as it was before? Well, broader broad Washington and needs to make sure he he produces. So for that, for the sake of that, I hope Broderick Washington becomes a 12-time Pro Bowl player. Yeah, it's a tall task uh, to live up to being the best <laughs> I, mean, I set the bar high, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, it was something that Ravens fans like, hung pick. on to. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ravens fans hung on to that Vedvik pick all year as, like, the greatest victory of all time. And, you know, it honestly probably was, you know, one of the best trades ever. Um I was surprised that the Ravens didn't go defensive end here. You know, a guy that we've mentioned was Bradley Ane uh, out of Utah. He's a defensive end. You know, we didn't really address the edge very much in the draft. Uh, Ane was available and went, uh, you know, 10 picks later, nine picks later, something like that. So I, I was I was a little bit surprised that they went with defensive tackle here instead of edge. But they must have seen something that they liked in Washington. Um, like you said, I hope he's successful and all that, but he's going to be – and for a fight, uh, you know, for that, for those last few defensive line spots with Ellis and, and Dalen Mack, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, plus, and I, I wouldn't, I mean, how about D'Amato Pecco? Excuse me, Pecco. I mean, is it for sure he's not coming back? I mean, yeah, it doesn't I'm seem sure like there it. are some veterans. I mean, just talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting DJ Fluker. You know, I mean, I have a feeling the Ravens, especially now that the draft is over, you know, and that second wave of free agency is happening, we're going to start seeing players, whether that's, you know, Clay Matthews, and we can talk about this more later, but whether that be a guy like Clay Matthews or somebody else that, you know, guys off the street are going to start saying, okay, well, the big money's not out there anymore, so now I got to go chase a ring. And who are they going to want to go chase a ring with? Lamar Jackson, the human. Yeah, they're not going to want to chase Lamar Jackson. No, they're going to chase a ring with him. And you know, that's like we said, like we said that even last year, looking into free agency is like how big of an attraction is Lamar Jackson to be on the same team as him? 
uh, is, is going to make a difference again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting to watch as, as they continue to bolster that spot, too. Um, next pick, another wide receiver out of uh, SMU, James Prochet. Um, he's a guy that you looked into a little bit more than I did. So what did you see from him and, and what can he bring to the table? Well, you know, he's an interesting player and 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 in complete transparency he pop you know once you start doing some youtube searches you know on the nfl draft you start you know it starts suggesting things and this guy popped up you know best wide receiver you've never heard of you know one of those things i'm like okay okay we'll see we'll see what we'll see what this guy has on he I, I saw the SMU logo. I was like, well, sometimes there's some players out of SMU that have been pretty darn good. Let me check this guy out. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, look, he's 5'11", 193. He does not have blazing speed. He didn't run at the combine, I think, and uh, probably for a reason. So this isn't – this is a very different player from Devin DuVernay. But the yeah. the thing that that – Adds that that is the comparison with DeVernay is his hands. He does not drop the ball. He catches the ball well. He holds on to the football. Um, he's a fantastic just receiver of the football. You watch some of these contested catches, and even though he's not a big guy, he's somehow able to position himself, you know, inside the defender well enough to make some pretty tremendous catches. I mean, one-handed catches, all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, he's he could be a very interesting player in the slot. Like I said, he's not going to be a burner like either Hollywood or DuVernay, but definitely an interesting player to add to the mix. And he also has uh, special teams experience. So I think this is this is the guy that I think we want to see become our punt returner kick returner who can also really provide a little bit on special teams um or i'm not on special teams but on the offense rather um on top of the return ability so i think this this could be an interesting player for us and it also says something that the ravens traded into the sixth round to get him you know Mm -hmm. they traded the 225th overall pick and a fifth round pick uh in 2021 year uh to minnesota so they you know they wanted him so that Mm -hmm. says a lot that they decided to move up to uh get crochet you're right i I believe that pick was was what we got for the wormley trade i might be mistaken but i think uh we turned chris wormley into james crochet here i believe Um, you're correct so he does have the punt return experience. Uh, even you know, watching him a little bit after after we drafted him, like you said, he makes some like really unbelievable contested catches. But they are just that. I mean, they're contested. You know, watching some some videos of him, he doesn't seem to get all that open. And you know, I guess that's maybe my concern is that if he's not getting open against SMU's competition, um, you know. It, He's might have a little bit of trouble against NFL DBs. So I guess that's where my concern would, um, I guess, pop in a little bit. But 
he seems to be a guy, you know, like a Willie Sneed, not not like the crazy top end speed, but he's he exactly. can make the catch. He's tough. Uh, you know, he, he can play in the slot. So, you know, maybe he fits that mold as as Sneed's contract uh, is coming up to an end. And as he gets a little bit older as well, you know, is that where you keep that continuity as well? Just like we talked about on the defensive line. So, you know, maybe not a guy that contributes year one, but uh I don't know. That's just the way that I see it. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe he's a guy that comes in year of, two, year three, or or potentially think of like a Brandon Stokely. You know, yeah. um, you know, a guy that the Ravens picked. I forget when Stokely was picked. Was it like the fifth or sixth round, something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll look it up while you're. And you know, he a player not super fast, but knew how to find. Um, you know, the open, open space and a defense, you know, I think that's, that's potentially what James Prochet could be. I don't want to blow him up and say he's going to be as good as Stokely. Stokely ended up being, having a fairly amazing NFL career considering, um, you know, where he came from, but fourth round, um, was it fifth round? Fourth. Fourth round. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so anyway, um, I think I think he's still a similar kind of player though to Stokely. Um, so it it'll be interesting to see if he does have that knack for for getting open. Um, you know, he also may not be the guy that's um, targeted like he may have been at SMU. You know, he's also not necessarily going to be working. You know, if he's on the same field as Hollywood, uh, you know, DuVernay or even Willie Sneed and, you know, Mark Andrews, are they going to really worry about putting their best player on James Prochet? Probably not. So um, just as that depth piece special teams guy, I think he could be interesting over the next couple of years. We'll see how he develops from there. Um, but, but I think what's most intriguing to me are the hands. You know, especially yeah. as the special teams guy, you think about how much we've cringed about punt returners and everything else. So here's another guy, along with Duvernay, who has great hands to add add to some reliable weapons uh, to uh, to the stable for Lamar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, I'm not down on the pick. I'm just not, uh, you know, he's... No, as, certainly as not. We he's, about, uh, he's a sixth-round pick, let's be yeah. real. I mean... right. You know, this is definitely, this is definitely, you know, where, think where you, you know, it's one of the ones where you go, well, yeah, he could, def- he could go anywhere from being our punt returner to, you know, cut, mm-hmm. you know, midway through training camp. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how he can develop. Um, but I certainly, I like some of. He's got some intriguing traits for that five eleven receiver picked in the sixth round. Yep, for sure. And then, and then uh, our last pick uh, of the draft was the safety Geno Stone uh, out of Iowa. He's kind of a guy who's not the most athletic guy in the world, but he has a really high football IQ and is is a very instinctual player. Uh, you know, Chuck Clark had a really, actually, very underrated draft, but Geno Stone kind of reminds me of Chuck Clark in that sense, like a late safety uh, that's taken, that's a very cerebral player. Um, that that has the toughness. He has that Big Ten toughness about him. 
uh, on, a, on a pretty good Iowa defense out there. So I, I kind of really like this pick. Terrific value here in the seventh round for sure. I, you know, I think he could have gone uh, a, a little bit earlier for sure. But, you know, we we talked about the Ravens adding somebody to the secondary. And Geno Stone is that guy who could, uh, you know, come in and, and give a guy like Deshaun Elliott and, and Anthony Levine some competition for, you know, that kind of safety role. Yeah, I think I think. Deshaun Elliott's clearly on the bubble. I mean, I, and it has nothing to do with his potential or anything else. It, he needs to stay healthy. Um, I think, you know, getting a guy like Tino Stone, I, it's a good comparison of a Chuck Clark, just in the, the thought of this, you know, smart, smart guy, seems to have a high football IQ, you know, could come in, play special teams for a couple of years, in the very least move into that Anthony Levine role if not something more, you know, if he really develops. So, I mean, I really do like this pick as well. Um, I love his highlights are great, you know, and mm-hmm. the whole story about, you know, how he, he grew up a huge Penn state fan and blah, blah, blah. And then there's the highlight of him returning of a pick six uh, in, in happy Valley. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, pretty cool. So, you know, things like that, um, you know, make, make me want to root for a player. And, you know, I, he certainly, we, we certainly have good, um, good contacts at the Iowa program. So, uh, you know, anytime we pick an Iowa player, I usually expect that to, to be a pretty decent pick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, just the way that people were, were incredulous about the Ravens getting queen and uh, Malik Harrison, a lot of people were very jealous that the that Geno Stone fell to the Ravens. They're like, of course the Ravens got a guy like Stone. So that just makes me think that, uh, you know, he's he's going to be a good fit in the defense. You know, like we said, instinctual, a guy that uh, I think Wink Martindale will definitely try to find a role for, maybe not this year, but, but going forward, uh, the same as Prochet on the offensive side, maybe. So, you know, that does it for our drafted players. And, and another place where the Ravens were highly active and are always highly active uh, are in the undrafted rookie free agents. And, you know, there's a ton that are going to come in, but maybe uh, let's mention just one or two that we're each uh, interested in and, and have a real shot at making the roster. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I'll say it. I mean, we both love Bronson Recksteiner. You know, I... Mm-hmm. He intrigues the crap out of me. I mean, I love, look, I'll I'll say it right now. I have a fondness for the safety blanket fullback who, you know, wrecks people, but can also, you know, basically, uh, you know, Juszczyk was my perfect player. I loved, I loved him. And not saying that Rex Steiner is necessarily Juszczyk, but. I'll tell you what, you watch those highlights. Now, look, obviously, Kennesaw State, you know, I'm not sure how great their competition is, but fullbacks shouldn't have more than zero 50-yard runs for touchdowns. I mean, a fullback, and he's still wrecking people, and I haven't even said that rick steiner is this guy's dad you know tremendous so i mean if anything if anyone screams out of this uh you know undrafted free agent class that they should be a raven it's this guy now of course the problem is 
we've got a Pro Bowl fullback in Patrick Ricard. Well, thankfully, our Pro Bowl fullback also plays a whole lot of defensive line. So really, the question comes down to, can you can you have on your roster? One and a half fullbacks and four running backs. So to me, that means you've got a roster decision between now, of course, he's got to perform, but you've potentially got a roster decision between Rex Steiner and Justice Hill. And I guarantee you, Rex Steiner is going to be able to play special teams. Right. Right. That's definitely true. Um, it's. And you know what? I, it looks like Rex Steiner might be able to carry the ball a little bit. I mean, not that you're going to want to make him your feature back anytime soon. Um, but at least as far as just having a change of pace, pound it kind of guy, him and and uh, Ricard as part of a full house backfield. I mean, that wouldn't wouldn't say no to that necessarily. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely really, really intriguing as a prospect. You know, his, his strength as well as his speed um, it is really intriguing uh, to bring into this particular type of offense. Yeah, he's um, tenacious, blocking yes. too. I mean, some of the, <clears throat> you know, just finishing out the plays was absolutely tremendous. Mm-hmm. And so he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, I'm going to have my eye on the defensive side on, on the pass rusher out of JMU, John Daka. And, uh, you know, it's strange that he didn't go to a bigger program, but I looked up in high school. He, he was like less than 200 pounds and he's playing defensive end. So it makes sense why he didn't go to a big time program. But, you know, based on what I've seen from him, he seems to have some really, really good uh, pass rush ability. So it'll be interesting to see him uh, added to that competition and see what he can produce in, um, you know, mini camp and, and, you know, if they even have the preseason and stuff like that, it'll, it'll be uh, very interesting to see what he can bring to the table. Well, apparently the schedule is being released on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So yes, we'll uh, see how that know, goes. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. And apparently I saw some rumors we might have, uh, Opening day for uh, baseball, July 1st, mm-hmm. might be what they're uh, shooting for. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I I was already fired up for football. Now that we have some drafted players, we've made some moves. We have all that. I am ready for training camp. I'll tell you what, with all without anything to pay attention to right now, I am so fired up for Ravens football. It can't come soon enough. Absolutely. And I got one more thing that might fire you up. We also brought in another kicker, Nick Vogel. Oh, and let's since go. we already since we already mentioned the Kari Vedvik pick and how much we miss it already, it's high time that we add another draft pick for a kicker, the Nick Vogel pick, soon to come. We'll see if we can get a fourth rounder for him. I mean, let's be real. What's his what's his uh, background? I mean, can he punt too? Is he the the second coming of the do-it-all kicker like uh, Kari Bednick was? Is, is he from a foreign country? I have no clue. I know nothing I mean, about really, him. I mean, really, was like the the perfect... He was, it was uh, almost like everything, you know, 
everything coming together perfectly because he's like the guy that the soccer player from like Norway or whatever it was mm-hmm. that you know nobody's heard of before can punt and kick you know I mean it was it just God the the press that the Ravens are able to do for for some of their players that come in is pretty freaking amazing and I love I anyway I, I we we don't have to keep waxing poetic but I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss it man I'm gonna miss the Vedvik pick yeah it's almost yeah, a shame sure. we didn't trade back with that pick to pay it forward one. to next year yeah and just and just keep the dream alive yeah I yeah. would trade Broderick Washington for that right now. <laughs> I would do it. I would trade him right now for a fifth round pick in next year's draft. Yeah, get that fifth rounder back that we used up to uh, to get Prochet. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So maybe maybe let's let's uh, let's leave the the roster holes for that for our next episode. Um, you know the the edge rusher we've met, we've mentioned a little bit, Clay Matthews. You know, uh, familiar name Terrell Suggs is still out there. You know, so there are some spots where we could still see some improvements coming in. But but let's save that for another episode. Um, if there's if, if there's uh, anything else you want to cover before we sign off, I don't um, think do so. Think? I think we've talked enough this evening, as you've sort of hinted at there. I think this is, you know, it was a fun draft as it usually is, regardless. But you know, I. It, it's rare that I truly feel excited, this excited about a draft. And, you know, I, I, as I said earlier, I mean, we, we've got between those first five picks, you know, at some point, potentially four to, you know, four starters. I mean, maybe, I mean, that's crazy. Dan. So, yeah. I, you know, and then throw in and then throw in Bredesen or Phillips. I don't think we even included them in that conversation at the point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, it's exciting. We'll just have to see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, things work out like like we want them to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, while the draft was going on, like I mentioned, there was a little bit of uh apprehension you know well we haven't gotten a wide receiver yet you know we haven't addressed edge yet but i think that uh the the front office and and the coaching staff did a really good job of at just adding good football players to the team and you know that always helps and uh you know with guys like queen and uh like duvernay you're you're addressing needs as well and and you know bredesen addressing needs and things like that so while you still get the best players uh, or, or that are available to you, you still address your needs. And I think that that is uh, uh, at least one sign of a really good draft. And I think the Ravens pulled it off again. Agreed. Yep. So with that, do you want to sign us off and we can look forward to our next episode? Thanks for listening this week. We'll uh, keep you updated as the offseason progresses with all the latest Ravens news. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see some more exciting free agent additions and and even the low key ones like DJ Fluker. So it should be a fun offseason. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening to Crab Takes and Football. Go Ravens. Go Ravens.